Isn't it amazing how we can reduce the Lord to a slogan, to a season? We've got him hidden in the attic and we pull out our manger scene. See, he's much more than that. He is the resurrected Lord of glory. He is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the Lion of the tribe of Judah, the worthy one to be worshipped, the creator, the sustainer, the ruler of all that there is. He is so beyond deserving of excessive, lavish praise and worship. He is the one that kicked death in the teeth. He is the one that came out of the grave, and he is living right now, and he deserves all of our, all of our affection. Man. What a mighty God we have. Listen, it's great to see you this weekend. Welcome all of our campuses, Blunt County Campus, Anderson County, North Knotts, Campbell County, our downtown Internet Campus, Pellissippi Campus. We're thrilled that you guys chose to worship with us this weekend. It's been a great weekend already across our campuses. God is at work, and it's thrilling to be a part. But looking back, man, I, listen, we had almost 7,000 worshipers last weekend, and last weekend rocked, didn't it? It was glorious, broke all records, people were saved, lives were changed, it was amazing, great job inviting all of our campuses, I mean, people were there, it is, was just tremendous, great job. Now the 25th is just a few days away when we celebrate the invasion, the incarnation, God's great rescue mission of mankind from ourselves and our sin. It's really been our prayer that the this series would really help focus you, not for a season, but for a forever of all that God has done. That, that out of this season, oh, come let us adore him, that our hearts would be full of celebration. It doesn't matter what circumstance you're in, whether you've got a Christmas tree full of presents under it, or it is naked under your tree. It doesn't matter, you know, what the situation, the circumstances, if we if we have God within our hearts, if we've been born again, then our hearts should be full of celebration. Amen? Amen. Now, 2014 is around the corner, and we're going to do something that we've never done before next year. Matter of fact, we have printed about almost 10,000 of these booklets that we put together for you. You won't if you don't. It's our first series for 2014 in January. But the reason we're giving them out early is because starting on January 1, we're asking everybody at every campus to hook up, and we're going to read the same passage of Scripture every day. If you follow the Bible reading record, you'll read the entire Bible through next year. You can put it on whatever. You can download it. You can use this. But we're just, every day when you get up and you're having your quiet time, you'll know that thousands of other faith promise people around just wherever we are have got our Bibles open reading the same passages. We'll be able to use social media and all that kind of stuff. Then there's a 21-day devotion that will start on January the 13th along with a 21-day fast that we're asking everybody participate in. So we're going to read the same passages, fasting together, praying together, lifting up the same thing, praying for each other. And really what we're looking is for, for us to hit 2014 like a holy hammer. 2013 has been unbelievable. Last weekend we were at 2,400 more than that same weekend the year before. God is at work. It's been great. But we want the spiritual momentum, just the breath of God to breathe into his church. Amen. And so as you leave every campus, every door, your campus pastors will tell you where, but you can pick these up, and we'll be rolling along through those together. Well, 
In this series called, O Come, Let Us Adore Him, we've taken it out of a, a famous old hymn, O Come, All Ye Faithful. And if you sang it like I did, when it gets to the last chorus, the last chorus is, you know, about the glory of God, and instead of saying, O Come, Let Us Adore Him, I was always where we celebrated, oh, let's give him all the glory. Do y'all, y'all know that? So let's give that three times. Are you ready? Can you do it? Are you ready? All right. Oh, come, let us adore. Oh, you're not ready, are you? See, it's come on. All right, I'm going to get it right. I'm not a singer, don't sing, but I love to worship. And so we give you all the we give you all the we give you all the glory the lord now we know that song we love that song this is the deal for some reason that we we believe giving god the glory is a christmas theme Somehow we've, we've attributed that to Christmas. And in Luke's gospel, in the second chapter that we've been looking at, in verse 13, it said, And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men whom he is well pleased. See, this theme runs from Genesis to the Revelation about giving God the glory, about, be, about walking in his Glory. Does God want us to walk in his glory? And so the problem is this. We believe that we're to walk in God's glory, but, but we've got some glory thieves in the house. We've got some people that are stealing God's glory. We've also got some glory killers in the house, squashing God's glory. We're going we're to talk about that. Now, is anybody born again at any of the campus? Blunt County, anybody? Anybody saved? All right. All right. Now, if you're not, you couldn't clap. Man, we're thrilled that you're with us. At Faith Promise, we're always helping people count the cost of taking the leap of faith and following Jesus. And so we're so glad you're here. And we just want you to walk along with us. And we just believe that before long, God's going to move on your heart and you are going to be a Christ follower also. Well, uh, let me ask you a question. What is this? It's toothpaste. Y'all say, is it toothpaste? This is not toothpaste. This is, one person got it right. There's, this is a toothpaste dispenser, right? There may or may not be toothpaste in this. We don't know what's in there. Maybe you're sitting next to someone you wish would have used some of this this morning. But the deal is this, that this is, you, you look at it and we think it's, it, this is a dispenser. This What you're looking at was made to hold toothpaste, and when you squeeze it, to dispense toothpaste. Would you agree with that? Just like that tube of tooth that 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 tube was was created to dispense toothpaste, you your calling is to dispense the glory of God. Would y'all agree with that? Would you agree with that? Because we're going somewhere. You're sure. You sure, okay? So you would agree that your calling is to be a dispenser of God's glory. Are you? Are you dispensing God's glory? Do you see the difference in the response? It's amazing all the things that we say that we believe and then we say that we don't do. 
I'm of the mind that you only believe the part of the Bible that you do. You didn't like that, did you? Well, it's Christmas. I'm going to try to be nice this weekend. She said, be nice, Chris. It's Christmas. And so the song, we give you all the glory. We're dispensers of God's glory. And Galatians chapter 1, verse 24 says, says this. And they were all giving God glory because of me. Paul said, because of the glory in me, because of my transformation, because of my impartation, because of what God did in me, everybody else was glorifying God because of me. The people that you know, the people that you live near, that you work with, that you play on the ball team, the people in your class, the people in your family, people should be glorifying God because of your life. Would you all agree with that? They ought to be seeing God's glory, smelling God's glory, tasting God's glory, looking at all, looking at your life and how different it is, and they should be glorifying God because of how different you are. Actually, it's a form of evangelism. Peter said, they're going to ask you about the hope that dwells in you and be, able, be always be ready to give a response with gentleness and respect. Because of your difference and the glory of God in you, people ought to be asking you why, what is different about you. Now, so far in this series, we've looked at Matthew's account and Luke's account of the Christmas story. We're not going to look at Mark's account because Mark doesn't have one. He picks it up at the baptism of Jesus. And most of us don't view John as actually having a Christmas account, but he does. So in John's gospel, the first chapter, it starts like this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. Now, this is before Christmas. All things came into being through him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that is coming into being. In him was life and was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. Now we're at Christmas. And the darkness did not comprehend it. Go over a few verses to verse 14. And the word became flesh. The logos in heaven, the word in heaven became flesh, incarnation, invasion, Bethlehem. And he dwelt among us and we beheld his what? His what? glory, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And as you look at that, okay, and I, I was just meditated all week. The Word became flesh. The Word became flesh. The Word in heaven became flesh and dwelt among us. Why? Because it was the Word of God. It was the Son of God, the heart of God's passionate pursuit after you. Then he left heaven and came to earth. It's the Word of God that left heaven, became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his what? It's glory. Glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. It is Christmas. And you go back to Luke, when, when Luke was talking about what the angels said, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth among men whom God is pleased. Now, let me ask you a question. I read that verse and I thought to myself, well, self, the people in Jesus' day, were they more holy than everybody else? Did they sin less than the generation before them? Did they do more sacrifices? Were they just better than every other generation? Because as I read the Old Testament, God's mad a lot of the time. Have y'all noticed that? I mean, God's just mad because of all the stuff the people are doing. And so I read this, and it says, you know, peace among men whom I'm well pleased. And I, well, are they, well, so was that generation better than ours? No. So what in the world did they do that God was pleased Big fat nothing. They didn't do anything. God was pleased because he decided to. God was pleased because he chose to. He chose to be pleased with mankind, love mankind, and send his only begotten son. He just chose to do that because he chose to love us. 
See, we see God as mad, but, but, but in this we see that God is pleased. God is pleased to give his son. And see, once we receive his son and we receive the glory of his son, we become dispensers of the glory of God. Would you all agree with that? Now, we all agree that we're supposed to be dispensers, but we don't all dispense the glory of God, right? Right? Come on, I can start all over, right? And so we have a problem. We know we're supposed to be, but we're not. So I said, Lord, we're supposed to be, but we're not. We're supposed to be victorious, but we're not. This church ought to be filled with overcomers, but we're not. This church ought to be packed every weekend, more people every weekend, and people seeking God, loving the Word of God, filled with the Spirit of God, overcoming, kicking the devil's butt, kicking him in the teeth, overcoming addictions, overcoming sin, walking in victory, triumphant, overcoming, spirit-filled children of God. (laughs) But we're not. I said, God, I don't get it. We're not. So I don't understand why we're supposed to be dispensers of glory, but we're not. Why we're supposed to be overcomers, but we're not. And then God just gave me this thought I've never had before. And this is, this is one of the reasons why we're where we are. If you're listening, say I am. See, we look at salvation and we make it all about us. We see the heavenly message is for us. The heavenly, the heavenly you know, impartation is for us. It's about us. It's about our forgiveness and our freedom. It's about our blessings and our favor. It's about our miracles and God's provision. It's about when I need, where I need, what I need, how I need, whatever I need. God to immediately, automatically give me everything I ask for. Matter of fact, I don't know how many people prayed they'd win the lottery last week. Are you with me? How does he know? Because I thought about it. You know, just for a fleeting moment. Wow, we could pay the church off. We Golly, bum, Lord. So... See, the deal is this, that, that, that we miss the glory of God, the awe of God, the mysterium tremendum of God. We miss this faith journey that we're on. See, I view, I view walking with God as an adventure. Every day I get up and say, whoa, thank you, God, it's a new day. I get my journal and say, God, there is no telling the potential in this day, the power in this day. Who do I get to witness to this day? What are you going to do this day? What miracles am I going to see this day? What doors are you going to open this day? How much of your glory is going to pour through me this day? I am stoked about this day, God. Wow, is that how most people live? No, why? Because they see salvation all about them. It's about us. It's about me and what I'm doing. So when my focus is on me, what's my focus on? Me, my problems, my pain, my stuff, my issues, my deal. Even though the book of Colossians says, set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Don't set your mind on things below, but set your mind on things above. Is that what the Bible says? Hebrews 12 says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame as to sit down at the right hand of God the Father. We're told over and over and over and over to love God, focus, rivet, man, we're to, to, to have our focus on God. But is that where our focus is usually? Excuse me? And a faulty focus foils our celebration. So the reason we don't live in victory, the reason that we don't walk in overcoming peace and joy, the reason that we miss the celebration of the incarnation the reason that we miss all that God wants to do in us and through us and for us and to us and by us and with us is because our focus is all on us. And our focus is not on him. It's on our circumstances. It's on all that kind of stuff. Let me tell you what the devil does. Are you ready? Ephesians 6 says, be weary, understand the schemes of the devil. So we need to know what the devil tries to do. Let me tell you one of the things every day, 24-7. Matter of fact, he's doing it right now. Tell you what the devil tries to do in your life. The devil tries to divert 
and distract your attention from God onto anything else other than God. Anything. My daughter was young, and she would want mine or Michelle's attention. She would grab our face, and she'd go, yeah. Because she wanted us to look right at her. Now, the problem was that half the time I was driving. And she just grabbed, I'm serious, she grabbed my face and go, yank, to talk to her. Because, I mean, that's just what she did. She wanted to make sure I was focused. So this is the deal. We are commanded to have our focus riveted on God, right? And yet our focus is not on God, right? Come on, let's be honest, right? Don't let me call your name. I'll come to your house this afternoon. And so, and so but it's not because the devil will always turn our faces away from God. He will take our attention, our affection, our, our adoration, our adulation. He will take our affection away from God the Father, thus killing the glory of God in our lives because our attention is not on Him and His glory. Does that make sense? Are you with me? And so as our focus leaves the Father and it moves to earth, let me tell you what we become. Are you ready? If you're listening, say, I am. We become a horde of gripers and complainers. Are you, are you with me? I'm talking about gripers and complainers. Well, our house is not big enough. Our car is not nice enough. Our clothes. I mean, you got up this morning, some of you, and looked at a closet so full you couldn't wedge a piece of paper in there. Ladies, 49,000 pairs of shoes. And you walked up and said, I don't have nothing to wear. Oh, I have nothing. You got work clothes. You got yard work clothes. You got professional work clothes. You got housework clothes. You got fat clothes and skinny clothes. Come on. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> and you got medium clothes, depending on where you are in your weight issue. We got more clothes than Carter's got. I ain't got nothing to wear. Your kids up in the refrigerator, slap, clapper, jab, full, and say, there's nothing to eat. Are you with me? And so because our focus is off the glory of God and on to us, we become a whole horde of gripers and complainers and whiners, and we fight everybody to our black tie pity party. I hate my job. I hate my wife, or I ought to have a wife. I hate my kids, or I wish I had kids. I hate this. I hate that. We gripe about the president. It doesn't matter if he's a Republican or a Democrat. We gripe about the rain. We gripe about the heat. We gripe, we gripe, we gripe, we gripe, we gripe. We're good at griping, aren't we? Are you with me? Now, let me ask you a question. With all that cotton-picking griping, is there anybody blessed in the house? Anybody? <laughs> so, are people so blessed? Why do we gripe all the time? I'm going to tell you why. I'm so glad you asked. We gripe all the time because our focus is off the glory of God. Philippians 2.14. Do we still believe the Bible? Philippians 2.14. Have nothing, do all things. Do how many things? Do all things without what? Grumbling or disputing. Does it really mean do all things without grumbling or disputing? Do you grumble and dispute at work? Do you grumble and complain at home? Do you grumble and complain about taking the garbage out? Do you gr I mean, we, we grumble. The Bible says do all things without grumbling or complaining, and yet we do it all the time, right? Right? And so I love this. The word, and what it's translated complaining in some versions. But let me tell you what the Greek word is. I love this word. I've used this before. The Greek word is gaz gusmas. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not joking. Look it up. 
God's goose moss. And I'm saying it right, it's a guttural, low end, you know, you need to be a base. God's goose moss. And the word, and the word is an onomatopoeia. An onomatopoeia is a word that sounds like what it is. And so, have you ever heard somebody at your house, God's goose moss, God's goose moss, God's goose moss, God's You ever heard that? You ever heard your kids, God's goose mossing? Sure you have. Where'd they learn it from? You. <laughs> you. And so we're God's goose mossing all the time. And guess what happens when you God's goose moss? You kill the glory of God. And guess what? We have got some gifted God's goose mossers in the church. Don't we? Man, listen, I mean, I get emails all the time griping about everything. I just want to send back, thank you, God's goose moss team. <laughs> I want to send some back. Is there anything good? Let me invite you to First Baptist Concord Baptist Church. <laughs> they got a new pastor. His name's John Avent. He loves God's goose monsters. No, I don't do that to him because I love John Avent. But listen, man, this, we were saved to bring God glory. Is that right? How can you bring God glory and God goose moss? Come on. So this, let me ask you some questions. Think before you answer. There at Christmas, what was Mary's focus? Jesus. This is easy. What was the shepherd's focus? Jesus. What was the magi's focus? Jesus. You're afraid to answer out loud, aren't you? What was Herod's focus? No, it was not Jesus. Herod's focus was Herod. And two years later, Herod went and had his soldiers kill all the children because Herod's focus was his power and nothing was going to usurp Herod's power. So he went out there to try to have Jesus kill the Messiah. What's your focus? Is your focus on a daily basis Jesus? Is it walking in his glory? Is it dispensing God's glory? Now, they say, well, not, not really. Let me tell you another lie of Lucifer. Are you ready? I've given you one. He attracts your attention, your attention away from God. Number two, let me tell you a second thing about him. This is a lie that he will tell you. The more that you focus on you, the more that you focus on your circumstances and making your life better, the more you focus on you and everything you need, the better your life will be. Is that the way that it works? Now, wait, hold on a sec. Are you telling me that life is not going to get better if you don't focus all your attention on you and all your, your problems? Are you, you saying it's not going to get better? Then why do you do it? Because don't we spend most of our time focused on us? Come on, three saved people in the house. See, we spend that because we really do believe the lie of the devil. If we just make a little more money, a little bigger house, a little faster car, a little more in our savings, then we'll be happy. It's never happened in the universe. Go back, to, go back to Solomon, who said, I gave me everything I wanted, and it was vanity and vanities. I had the biggest house, the fastest chariot, the coolest robes, more women than anybody, a thousand women I could have sex with at any time. He said, I tested my mind with wine and, and alcohol, and I kept my senses. He's the only one that could be drunk and think right. And he said, I did all the parties, everything. It was vanity after vanity. I spent all my time building, doing, getting me more, and it was vanity, vanity, all is vanity. 
See, the, the, but, the, but the enemy will say, focus on you, work on you. Man, work on you, come on. If you can just get you better and you more and you and you and you and you and you and you and you, if you'll just do that, you'll be happier. It's a lie from hell. Philippians 2 says this, have this attitude in Christ. Have it also in you, which means think like Jesus thought. Although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality of God. If any be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, and being made in the likeness of a man. He humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every tongue, every issue about, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of the glory of God the Father. See, that's the attitude. It, actually, it's a divine disease. I call it otheritis. See, Jesus was as attention was on others, wasn't it? Is that where it was? See, it's unbelievable how if you'll take your attention off you, no matter what your circumstances are, focus on God and focus on caring for others, how much the glory of God will well up in you and will flow through you, the joy that you'll walk with, the adventure that you'll have, the thrill you'll have, how you'll overcome, how you'll worship God, how you'll be ecstatic no matter how big or little your house is, no matter how many presents are or are not under your Christmas tree, even if you have one, you'll be focused on, on others and God and His his glory will flow through you. It's, it's the way it works. Now, let me, I pray for wisdom every day. Do you ever ask God for wisdom? Okay, <clears throat> I don't want worldly wisdom. I want heavenly wisdom because heavenly wisdom is counterintuitive. Worldly wisdom says focus on you, it'll get better. Heavenly wisdom says focus on others and I'll make your life better. See, Christmas is counterintuitive. If you were God, would you have come in a baby of a virgin? Is that how you would have shown up? Dude, I've been 400 feet tall. I'd have been large and in charge. Are you with me? I mean, everybody on the whole planet would have known he's here. Not God. See, God, God's counterintuitive. He works in a way, his ways are not our ways. Now, do you belong to God? You might belong to God. Okay, amen. Come on. <clears throat> but this is the deal. Do you see yourself as a dispenser of the glory of God? Most of us don't, do we? Well, that's your job, Chris. Well, I, you know, last time I checked, I got up this morning and put my britches on one leg at a time just like you did. Are you with me? I got saved like you did. I got caught like you did. There's no difference between me and you. I'm not better than anyone in the house. As a matter of fact, there's this thing that's going around church in America about honoring the pastor. Man, treating the pastor. Man, honor, 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 honor. Man, honor. And I, I think the man of God is worthy of honor. I got that. And people say, why don't you make people treat you better? Why don't you make people call you Dr. Stevens? Why don't you, why don't you, why don't you? Because it's not about me. It's about him. It's about him. It's about him. You see, those of us that belong to God are walking billboard for God. And we're worshipers. That's what this whole series is about, worship. Oh, come let us adore him. And see, God gave you a mouth, and your mouth is an instrument of worship. And so one of the things you do with it is you sing. Now, some of you do, and some of you don't. But, but we come together in corporate. We sing. We celebrate the goodness of God. The Bible says in Hebrew, in Ephesians chapter 5, those that are full of spirit will walk with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in their hearts to the Lord. You'll be a worshiper. That's why people full of the spirit, they're going to worship. God's given you a mouth to speak life and to speak hope and to speak the gospel. God has given you a mouth to walk in when everybody else is pouting and having a black tie pity party. For you to walk in and say, it's going to be better. God's going to move. God's, going to, God's got this. You walk in when people are down and you give a hope, you give encouragement, you give love, you give life. Is pour it out. 
Man, that's what God's called you to do, not to God's goose moss. And man, everybody's at your house or you're at somebody's house for Christmas and griping about what you got or didn't get or who's there, who's not there. How many of us have already had knockdown, drag out arguments about where you're going to spend Christmas? How does he know? Because Michelle and I had them for 20 years. And we've been going to her families ever since we started dating. <clears throat> I'm a wuss. And so I don't, and, and it's, so we argue. We cause goosebumps, don't we? Come on. It's not about where you're going to spend Christmas. It's not about who's going to be there, whose presence. It's about getting up in the morning. It's about saying, whoa, thank you, Jesus. You came and you paid for my pile of stinking sorry, sad sack sin. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Let your glory flow in me. Come on. That's the deal. When that glory flows and your heart is a foundation, it's a fountain of the goodness and the glory of God because gratitude flows from you because you're focused on God. Hey, listen, the more you see God, the more you'll see how undeserving you were to be saved. Amen? You'll have an Isaiah chapter 6 experience. You'll have an Ezekiel experience. You'll have all these experiences of people in the Bible. And so what we need to do, it's okay, Chris, I, I know I'm supposed to be a dispenser of the glory of God. What am I supposed to do? You've got to rivet your focus on God. And you've got to every day, every morning, doesn't mean you stay up late at night, watch late night. Then you hit the snooze three times, and you get up late, and you run through screaming at the kids, and run, 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 try to get your day started. No, you get up early. Come on, are you with me? There's a key to getting up early. It's called going to bed. Or whenever you have your time with God, you get on your knees and you say, hey, I surrender Holy Spirit. I want a fresh baptism, anointing. I surrender, my, I surrender to your lordship, to your headship. Take control of this vessel. Have your way. Fill me with the glory of God and let me spill it on everybody I see. Because, see, God wants you to be a full moon. This past week, in our bedroom, mine and Michelle's bedroom, faces to the west, and the, the, the moon goes, moon's over there, and it's so bright some of the last few nights, I hadn't hardly been able to sleep. But how's the moon bright? Because the moon doesn't have any light. See, the moon just hangs up there, no light. But when the moon's in the right spot, it, the sun reflects onto, ref, hits its light onto the moon, and it reflects to us, and it will light up the darkest night. When you got saved, God wants you to be a full moon, reflecting the glory of the Son of God, receiving it, reflecting it into a dark world. Listen, man, I'm telling you, listen, I, hey, let me tell you what we need. Healthcare ain't what we need. Washington ain't what we need. This lost, hurting world needs Jesus, and we're going to give him to them. Come on. My. Jesus, Jesus said, I'm going to wrap this up. I've already made everybody mad, which is get ready for Christmas. That'll help you guys goose much. You can complain on the way home. Can you believe what he said? And so Jesus, speaking about John the Baptist, said he's the greatest man that's lived to this point. It's a pretty serious commendation. And he said, he said he's the great, but what was John the Baptist's formula for success? You remember? I must decrease, and he must what? Increase. See, the, the, you know, that's, that's what he wants to do. Yea, Lord, we greet thee, born this happy morning. Jesus, to thee be all glory given. Word of the Father, now in flesh appearing. 
Oh, come let us adore him. Oh, come let us adore him. Oh, come let us adore him. Christ, the king. Listen, I want to challenge you, church. Give God all the glory this Christmas. Are you with me? Give God all the glory for this new year. Let's hit 2014 like a holy hammer with the power of Pentecost, Ezekiel 37, God breathing on us as we fast together, pray together, as we're in the word of God together. Let's let God rally up this church and let's really do make it hard to go to hell for me, Tennessee, as we are a full moon church reflecting the glory of God onto a hurting, lost world. Now, there's some people here. You came, you've been coming, maybe it's your first time, and you've never surrendered your life to the power of God. You've never, never surrendered it. And you're ready now to say, I want Jesus. So with every head bow, every eye closed, we're going to pray what we call a sinner's prayer. If you're ready to open your heart to Jesus, pray this prayer with us by faith. Come on, faith. Promises, pray this out loud. Say, dear God, I know I've sinned, and I'm sorry. Forgive me. Come into my heart and be my Lord. I want to be, I want to follow you. I want to walk by faith and dispense your glory in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, and give God, give God some praise, would you? Man. Now in front of you is a communication card. You can take that out. Maybe you prayed with me right then. You want to drop in the offering boxes or you need baptism or you need to get in a group or, or whatever. Fill the communication card out. Put in the offering boxes. We got a, just a little over a week left of this year, and so I want to challenge you year in giving. Man, let's finish this year just with just so positive in our in our generosity to God and to God's kingdom. And so we're gonna sing one more Christmas song. Come on out, guys. We're gonna sing one more Christmas song. Is God worthy? Man, he is so worthy. So man, we pray for you every day. We just believe God's best for you. And we believe God in 2014, we have the greatest spiritual breakthroughs we have ever had. People are going to be delivered. People are going to be set free. John 8, 32 is going to permeate this place. It's going to be the greatest year of harvesting that we have ever had. Because I believe that's what God wants to do in our life and your life. Amen. Let's stand and let's worship God.